Welcome to Lakeside. <laughs> Absolutely, man, that is awesome. All right, let's see how to how to like transition into what I was going to get in a somber mood real fast. Yeah, that's right. I'm just going to switch, and we're going to like rejoice for an hour. So, um, okay. I'm always struck by, um, there's, there's a part in the Gospels where a guy comes up to Jesus and he asks him, what is the greatest commandment? You guys know this? No trick question? He goes, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one is like it. Like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to transition real fast. This is going to sound off, but... It'll come together. So I was thinking about um, David. David's a really interesting figure in the Old Testament. If you know David, there's this part where he's this young man, and he goes and he stands on a battlefield, and he looks at a terrified army of Israel looking at a huge giant, nine-foot-tall giant, covered in armor, covered in weaponry, probably killed countless numbers of people. David's a little shepherd boy, and he's standing before the giant because everyone else is too scared to walk out on the field. We've all heard that story. We all know what happens with that story. But the way that story is normally told is it's something like, hey, you know, David went out on the field and fought Goliath in faith, kind of with God's help. So you can face the giants in your life. But if you really read through that passage, if you really read through what's going on, the text is going to tell us that it was God who fought the battle for David and God who fought the battle for Israel. See, it's really interesting when you read the story of Joshua, right, where they walk around Jericho and they shout and the walls fall down and they have victory. Freed just after that, Achan takes something he's not supposed to take. The Lord's favor turns away from Israel and they go into battle and get destroyed. Why start the military exposition with walking around Jericho. Why does it start that way? And the answer is because God fights Israel's battles. Every battle they fought, they were supposed to recognize that it was God and God's power alone that was behind the battles they fought. Apart from God's work and power in the sermon I'm about to bring, it will do nothing. Apart from the power of God in your lives, you can do nothing. Apart from the power of the resurrected Christ in your life, you cannot live. Apart from the breath God breathed into the dust, remains dust. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's everything. And I'm always struck by John 1.14. I said it, I think, the first time I preached. That the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory Moses shouted out on Mount Sinai, show me your glory to God. And God says, I can't, it'll kill you, it's too much. We have seen His glory in the form of the incarnate Christ. 
We were lost, set apart from God without Christ, and Christ came to us. We love God because God first loved us. It's unity. It's relationship. He came to us in relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm going to talk about today is, is 1 Corinthians 12, but before I get there, just a shout out to some of the people in this church. We found out that Chris's daughter was sick. She was in the hospital. I got told this last night. You know, Chris is a powerful figure in this church. He's such a blessing to me and so many other people here. And what we were called to do is to step up and to be there to help Chris in his time of need, just as he's helped us so many times in our time of need. It was a family, a unity of believers that stepped up. We need that. We need God and we need other people. 1 Corinthians 12. So just a shout out, I'm not going to go through exactly the whole thing. I'm going to go through most of it. I'm just going to kind of read through. I'm, I'm one of those weird guys who I just like to read through the Bible. I like to read it, talk about it, think about it. So Paul's here talking about spiritual gifts. See, the Corinthian church has a problem. The Corinthian church has divided along socioeconomic lines, along racial lines, right? It's also divided among religious lines. Certain people are favoring certain gifts is higher than the others. Certain offices is higher than the others. It's like, oh, that guy's the preacher. That guy's the bomb. That guy's awesome. Don't mind those people. They're kind of poor and scraggly and don't help us very much. We'll just put them over there, right? And so there's been division in the church, and Paul's trying to push the message of love and unity within the church. Love your neighbor. Love the people in your congregation. Look to your left, your right, behind you, and in front of you. Seriously. Behold your neighbor. Behold your family. As Paul's going to say in a minute, behold the members of the body of Christ. And we need one another. So 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You know you need the Holy Spirit in your life help you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ? If you are outside of Christ, you are led and governed by your desires for the lesser things of this world that will never satisfy you and never get you to glory. If the Holy Spirit indwells you, if you are in Christ, he leads you into greater things. Is he your Lord? I know I struggle with submitting to God very often, but I also know that when I submit to God and when I follow his leading, there's life there. Power of God fights your battles. Power of God leads you to following. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
First of all, just let me point this out to you. He says, Spirit, Lord, God. You guys know our God's a triune God, right? One being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, an eternal, never-ending love for and with one another. God is by nature a community, a small group of love. And in the passage where Paul talks about unity and talks about love and talks about need for the body, he uses that construction, Spirit, Lord, God, points you towards that reality. Your image bearers, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Go read those if you haven't read those. Image bearers of a God who is by nature communal, interested in unity, interested in love. When you love God and you love nature, neighbor, you are being Christ-like by God's power, through God's power. And when you love one another in the body, you are bearing that image of a God who you serve and love. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everyone in here, if you are in Christ, everyone in here has at least one spiritual gift. And those spiritual gifts are given to you not just for yourself. The spiritual gifts are given to you so that you can bless the community of Christ. It's for the good of others. Some of you guys are gifted artists. Some of you guys are gifted speakers and teachers. Some of you guys are gifted musicians. And God gave you those gifts to be a blessing to the Christian community. And most immediately, I think, to be a blessing to this congregation, if this is the church you call home. For to one is given through the same Spirit, I'm sorry, for one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportioned to each one individually as he will. First off, Holy Spirit's a person. He will. And he gives us all different gifts according to his will. He picks the gifts. He chooses the gifts he gives us. We don't all have the same gifts. Amen? I am not a singer. God did not give me that gift. But thank God that he did appoint, appoint some people to be singers. Think about this for a second, though. If I was to start a church with people just like me who had all my same gifts, who would sing? For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For on one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Guys, there's no room for racism. No room for classism. No room for ageism within the body of Christ. 
And the reason for that is because the thing that unites us is far greater than any of the distinctives we hold. Our identity is all found in the same person. It's all found in Christ. And if my identity is found in Christ, and your identity is found in Christ, and Christ is ultimate in my life, the color of your skin or how much money you make, what you do on the weekends, just doesn't matter that much. You ever had a passion passion that brought you together with people entirely different than yourself? Like, I take jujitsu, okay? So I go to jujitsu, and I show up there, and there's people that make all kinds of different money. There's people of all different kinds of races. They have all different kinds of backgrounds and jobs and beliefs. And drive all different kinds of cars. Some of them have kids. Some of them don't. Some of them are strong. Some of them aren't. Some of them are tall. Some of them aren't. They vote differently politically speaking. They come from different countries and regions. We're all there united around one central goal of, you know, jujitsu and throwing each other on the ground. It's a good goal, right? And the reality is that the distinctives we hold don't really come into play because the, the function and the focus of why we are there, are there is elevated over those distinctives. If we all share Christ for all of the same Spirit, it should be that way infinitely. that way infinitely. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Some of us, I think, beat ourselves up because we don't have certain gifts. Man, I want to be a singer. I want to play guitar, right? We beat ourselves up because we don't have the gifts that we think of as being the highest, the gifts that we think of as being the best, the gifts that we think of as being the most important, whatever that may be. It's like, man, I want to be a preacher, but I can't preach. Or I want to be a teacher, but I can't teach. Or I want to be a musician, but I can't play music. And some of us spend so much time thinking about these gifts we've elevated in our own mind that we fail to find the gifts we ourselves have and to use them for the body and for the glory of God. What Paul is saying is, look, if you have a gift for taking care of children, and you go, because I'm not a really good evangelist, I don't belong to the body. He goes, of course you do. Of course you do. A body needs feet just as it needs hands. A body needs a torso just as it needs a head. Those parts are important, and they interwork together. And catch this. A room full of feet doesn't get a whole lot of stuff done. Which one's more important, your heart or your brain? Which one's more important, your heart or your lungs? Maybe I'm a heart. Maybe you're a lung. You need both. You need them all. Hearts by themselves don't do a whole lot. Lungs by themselves don't do a whole lot. You need them together. You have different gifts. Those gifts don't work well on their own. We need them together. One of the questions I've been asking myself about the church in recent years is, 
How do we get away from a paradigm that says, these are professional ministers, these these 3% of people in the church, and they do all the work, they do all the ministry, all the evangelism, have all the gifts, take care of all the responsibilities, and the congregation kind of goes, I'm going to show up on Sunday and watch a show. Because we've so ingrained that into so many minds, I think, in this, in this country, in this world. It's just, it's not biblical, it's not healthy, and it's not life-giving. You guys are ministers. The Bible talks, or Luther talks about the priesthood of all believers, that you all have gifts given to you by a holy God to minister, to love, to serve, to uphold one another. Yeah, professional ministers, that's great. We need hearts. Who are the lungs? Who are the feet? Who are the ears and the eyes and the noses and the mouths? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of healing or hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Unity in plurality. Unbelievable concept in the scriptures is unity in plurality. The idea that you become a part of something bigger than yourself. That the collective units form one. Remember the marriage formula? And the two shall become one flesh. God is one God in three persons. There's an idea that underlies the scripture of oneness in plurality, that you're supposed to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You're not supposed to be the all in all in yourself. The greatest commandment is the love of God and the love of neighbor, to be in relationship with other people. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. What that means is that if we value certain gifts above others, and the people who have other gifts that are lesser valued don't contribute, don't help, don't come, then we're missing out. You're indispensable. God's a sovereign God, guys. God knows every person sitting out there listening to me right now. He knows you. He loves you. He formed you. He gave you gifts. He wanted you here. And he knows there's a reason you're in this congregation. This is your church. If you're home here, there's a reason you're here. And it has tons to do with the fact that you have a gift that's supposed to contribute to this body. God, I'll be lost without some of the people in this room. Cared for me, loved me, talked to me when I was down or had a hard time. A lady came up to me last week and gave me a word that she felt like she had received from God that really impacted me and really helped me. It's like, man, that's God using her gift to speak into my life. And to those parts of the body 
that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God knows the gift he gave you. God wanted you to have that gift. God delights in your having that gift. And that gift can bring great glory to God. Your life can bring great glory to God. You don't have to go to seminary, and you don't have to stand up on stages and preach, and you don't have to play the guitar or sing music or watch kids to be impactful for Christ and to be impactful to the body. You have to use your gift, and you have to look to your left and your right. Love those people. I know some of you guys need some love. I know I need love. I know I need people in my life. I know we have fears and concerns and worries that we need other people in our lives to soothe. Look to your left and your right. This is your mission field. It's part of your mission field. That there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, hear this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Your success brings me happiness. Your pain brings me sorrow. Think about what that requires. Think about it. I have to know you. I have to know what's going on in your life. I have to have talked to you before to know what's causing you pain and suffering, to know what achievements you've experienced and to rejoice in those achievements with you. Paul talks about weep with those who weep, laugh with those who laugh, which can't happen if I don't know you. You're meant to be known and you're meant to know. Oh, man. one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This church collectively mourned, collectively prayed, collectively called out to God because one member, our brother Chris, had a daughter who was sick. We stood in this room. We prayed for him. God, please heal his daughter. Feel the pain. It's like, oh, his daughter's sick. That's terrible. We can't because we knew him, because we were involved in his life, because he shot it on Facebook, and we were all collectively, oh my goodness, we got a brother in the congregation who's suffering. I want that for everyone in this room. I want that with everyone in this room. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still more excellent ways. It's unity. It's one body, many members, different gifts, different offices. That's okay. It's okay. There's people in this room who are not like me. They're not like me. There's people in this room where I'm just like, man, you know, 
personality-wise, gifting-wise, I grew up in a different atmosphere, different background. I got different personality quirks. They're different than me, but that's fine. That's a good thing. I don't want to be in a place where there's just a bunch of people like me. I want to be in a place where there's many different members and we're all rubbing shoulders together and we're all getting to know one another. Man, that requires some stuff. It requires grace. It's easy to kind of like a guy if you don't know anything about him and he, you, as far as you know, he agrees with everything you think, right? It's harder when you begin to get into his life and find that you're not so sure you agree with some of the things he thinks or says. Or you, you know, you don't have the same interests he has. You don't know that you have the same things in common, right? It requires grace. Kind of like with a family. Anybody got kids? Brothers, sisters, are they like you? No, but you love them anyway because you're united by that family bond. Look to your left, look to your right. That's your family. That's your family. They're different than you. I'll show you a still more excellent way. Guys, part of the plug I was going to give today is I want to I want to encourage people to get involved in their community. Yes. But I think even more primary, I want to encourage people to get involved in a local congregation of believers. If this one is the one, great. If this one's not the one, great. Find one. And two, I want to encourage you guys to get involved in relationship with one another. Yes, in the form of small groups. I'm really big on small groups. I want everybody to be in a small group. Everybody getting to know one another and holding each other accountable and growing in Christ and the love of Christ and love of one another. Yes. But look to your left. Look to your right. Who in this room do you not know? Who in this room have you not talked to? Why not? Reach out to people. I'll actually give you a second at the end of the service. I actually plan on doing this, giving you a second at the end of the service to go talk to somebody. I don't care who it is. Just find someone you don't know. Find someone you've never really talked to and go talk to them. Plan out lunch. Go talk to them at lunch. Ask them about their life. Figure out their struggles or their whatever. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell too much if you don't want to tell too much. It doesn't have to be weird. Just go out, get to know each other, talk on the phone, text, hang out outside, don't care. Just work towards unity. Work towards building relationships with the people of this body, and you'll find that it'll impact your life in amazing ways. I would not be here right now if it wasn't for one youth pastor reaching out to me when I was 18 years old when I was just kind of a loner. And we read through the Bible in 90 days with this youth pastor. Changed my life. I went and I got involved in a church where it was hugely communally focused and it changed my life like crazy. I'm like, I'm going to go in the ministry. I want to see that. Because when you love God and when you love neighbor actively, it really is indescribable. It's indescribable. It's frankly, why we're here 2,000 years later in America talking about the risen Savior is because 12 guys in the Middle East at one time loved God because Christ came to them and talked to them and they loved one another enough to work out their issues and problems and build a church by the power of the Holy Spirit that spread to the world. God. I haven't planned on doing this, but half times so I'm going to do it. <laughs> 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. No matter what spiritual gifting, power, unique ability you have, if it's not governed by love, it's ultimately wasted. 
If I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. No matter how great you are in this life, no matter how many people you stand before and talk to, no matter how amazing you are by anyone's standards, billboards, fame, glory, whatever, no matter all of that, if you don't have love, you are nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. You can give everything you own to the poor, and if it's about you, it profits you nothing. Love is patient. Am I patient? I'll I'll tell you this. When a little kid says my son, I don't have a son. I, I pray that one day I'll have a son or a daughter, and I've seen parents with their kids, a little kid comes up to them, and they can nag you sometimes, and you're, you're busy, and you don't want to focus on the little kid, but he comes up to you, and he goes, you know, Daddy, look at this leaf. Daddy, look at this rock, right? You get down on your hands and your knees, and you're like, that, that's, that's good, buddy. Yeah. And your kid stumbles, he falls, and you help him up to walk, right? And he keeps falling, you keep helping him up. Like, Why do you do that? Why are you patient with him? The answer is because you love him. Do we love one another? If we love one another, we'll be patient with one another. Love is kind, right? Because regardless of how I'm feeling and regardless of the struggles going on in my particular life, when I see you and I love you, and oh yeah, that's right. Rhonda had that that thing that she's going through. I'm I'm really curious what's going on with that thing in your life. Tell me about it. I want to talk about it because I love her. I'm kind to the people I love. Doesn't envy or boast. I don't want what you got. Because I love you and I don't want to take it from you. I rejoice that you have a gift, a talent, something you're good at, something that brings you joy, something that brings the people around you joy. I rejoice in your accomplishments because I love you. The same way my father rejoices in my accomplishments because he loves me. It isn't arrogant or rude. See, love's not self-focused. Love doesn't constantly think about itself. Love looks outward to others. That's Jesus. He came and died on the cross, not for himself, but for you because he loves you. It does not insist on its own way. Love makes concessions. For people, right? Doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Sometimes that text says, Love does not take offense. My goodness. Just think about that. doesn't take offense. It's like when your kid comes up to you and he says something that's kind of rude, kind of offensive, but you know he doesn't mean anything by it. It's like, okay, I love you. It's okay. I might go, hey, you know, you shouldn't say that. But The point that I'm trying to make is that unity within the body and love for one another in Christ becomes ultimate over everything else. 
That's why Jesus says that the way you'll recognize a true body, the way you'll recognize believers is by their love for one another. God fights your battle. God puts the love in us to then pour out onto other people. We become more Christ-like when we love God and when we love neighbor. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you, I don't know, I don't want to go too long, three minutes, five minutes, that legit, to stand up and get to know somebody. Somebody. 